When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is Glenn Wexler, and you're listening to Pantheon Podcast. History in Five Songs. With host Martin Popoff. A production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with Martin. Hey, welcome back once again to another episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff, brought to you by the good people at Pantheon Podcast. We are pleased, as always, to be part of this vast and always expanding Pantheon Podcast Network. We're available on Spotify, iTunes, and over 40 other podcast platforms. All right, this is episode 209. I'm calling this UFO and Thin Lizzy as Doppelgangers. This is part of our Doppelgangers uh, series. I've noticed uh, episode 35 was Circumstances, Rush and Judas Priest in the 70s. Lots of cool, uh, you know, uh, comparisons between their careers in the 70s. Uh, episode 37 was Halford and Dickinson, the doppelgangers. No, the doppelheadbangers. Yeah, that's what I called it. Um, so, yeah, that kind of takes care of a, a really good one that one could do between, uh, you know, the wider situation of priest and maiden generally. So I won't be doing that one. And then, you know, episode 44 was kind of a bit like this as well. Uh, that was comparing Montrose and Van Halen, and most uh, notably uh, the debut Montrose album, the debut Van Halen album. So this is one uh, that I thought I would uh, reconsider again. It's one I've always thought I would do, um, but I reconsidered again after a question came up on Facebook um, saying, I wonder what would happen with Thin Lizzy if Phil hadn't uh, had died after Thunder and Lightning. We just did a Contrarians episode, a Dark Horse uh, on... Uh, actually, no, we did a, a Contrarians albums uh, one on Thunder and Lightning. We did a Dark Horse on Chinatown. Uh, but yeah, it came up, I think, in response to that. And, um, you know, somebody had asked, uh, would they have gone poppy and hair metal? Um and uh, I kind of answered, maybe surprising to some people, but I said, yeah, probably Phil would have uh, fallen into that because I think Grand Slam wasn't particularly great and it was getting a little poppy and hair metal and keyboardy. Um, you know, the, 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 the stumbly way UK bands did that sort of thing. And then I got to thinking, um, you know, I'll save some of this for, for later at the end because I'm going to do this chronologically. But then I got to thinking, yeah, they'd probably pretty much follow the path UFO did. And that got me thinking. The light bulb went off. Hey, I'm going to compare these because always in my mind since I was a kid, uh, these two careers seem to go in tandem in so many different ways. Um, so that's what we're going to look like here. Um, so, yeah, let's take a listen to our first uh, track and we will talk about the early days. Uh, take a listen to this. This is Thin Lizzy with chatting today.
Okay, so that's from Shades of a Blue Orphanage, 1972. So the point here is in the early days... Um, so UFO, you know, ostensibly started, say, 68. I mean, these guys were really young when they started, but they started 68. Then then Lizzie started 69. Um, you know, UFO gets their first album out, one in 70. Uh, 71, they get two out. Then they get a live album out in 71. That doesn't quite line up with Thin Lizzy. But basically, uh, Thin Lizzy has... Um, the the self-titled debut so they kind they both kind of got a self-title although you know uh <laughs> and the shades of blue uh of a blue orphanage is 72 now the interesting thing here that i find um uh, quite comparative is that um you you've got a a uh, a pre-classic sound version of ufo most definitely and it's defined by the guitarist in Mick Bolton. So you get this kind of, uh, what I like to call it is, uh, if free sound like bad company demos, UFO uh, with Mick Bolton sounds like free demos. Um, I find it to be really, really horrible, amateurish, badly recorded, super, super simple blues rock. They tried to call it space rock, um, you know, and it's it's ridiculous that they actually had a live album out, made in Japan, no less, uh, of this uh, really, really, you know, inferior material. Um, so basically, they had this, pre, this pre-classic sound sound, and uh, I, I feel like Thin Lizzy had that as well, although I love these first two Thin Lizzy albums. So Thin Lizzy's pre-classic sound sound actually arguably goes four full albums, um, but the first three are, are with Eric Bell. So they're kind of defined, again, by the guitarist. So there's this guitarist in the early lineup that is soon not going to be there. Um, but um, I find it interesting that UFO... Uh, well, well, Thin Lizzy, like UFO, definitely, definitely has a certain pre-classic sound sound on on two albums together. So with Thin Lizzy, it really is there with the Thin Lizzy album and Shades of a Blue Orphanage, which are quite, quite folky. Uh, I, that's that's all I would I wouldn't call it bluesy I wouldn't call it poppy I wouldn't call it psychedelic I'd basically call it folky um and really really good quality folk I mean they uh, they literally almost remind me of Nick Drake they're they're almost that good they're just not that depressing um but they're that good so it's a very different sound from UFO but I think they really do have uh this this very distinct sound that is defined by exactly two studio albums. Um, so there you go. That's our first comparison. Let's take a short break and we'll be right back. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. 
Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. Back. All right, back again here. Episode 209 of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff. UFO and Thin Lizzy as doppelgangers. Uh, let's take a listen to our second selection here and we shall discuss. This is UFO with Oh My. Okay, so that's from the Phenomenon album. So essentially, UFO Phenomenon comes out May of 74. Uh, the comparison is Thin Lizzy's Nightlife comes out in November 74, so very close together. And what is happening here is you get uh, the, the initial steps into the classic sound, and that is affected by a change in the guitar position. With UFO, it's a big deal. They get Michael Schenker in, young kid, the blonde bomber from Germany. Uh, he comes in and he's he's writing songs. Um, he's very very important in this band. He's going to define them moving forward. Um, and the and the sound completely changes. They even get a new record deal. Um, and uh, and in Thin Lizzy, what happens is with Nightlife, you get two guitarists coming in. You've got uh, Brian Robertson and you've got Scott Gorham. We don't get to the proper Thin Lizzy sound the same way UFO doesn't get to the proper UFO sound. That album is still kind of murky and simplistic and a little psychedelic and even a little Krautrock in a way. It's just phenomenon. I, you know, UFO fans really rate it highly, but I think I think they're blinded, you know, completely blinded by how awesome and important Doctor Doctor and Rock Bottom are. Uh, but the rest of the album takes a wilt, and I definitely wanted to show. Um, a, a song that I think is heavy, but just not that good uh, to sort of, um, you know, serve as a metaphor for what I think of the Phenomenon album in general. Um, 
And interestingly enough, you've got um, Ron Nevison producing the Nightlife album, and Ron Nevison will go on to be an important factor in UFOs, uh, bigger bigger albums. Um, So you've got a uh, commonality and a producer there, and you've also got these uh, guitarists, all three of them parachuting in from different countries. If you consider Scotland to be a different country, it kind of technically is and technically isn't at the same time. Uh, But you've got uh, Michael from Germany, uh, Brian from Scotland, and Scott from America. Um, so there you go. That is our that is our second one. Uh, let's take a listen to our third selection here. This is Bruce Springsteen with Backstreets. Okay, so this is from the Born to Run album, August 25th, 1975. Um, So this is an episode I've always been wanting to do. The Bruce Springsteen family, the idea of Bruce's influence, and it's it's frankly a shared influence because Thin Lizzy is so early on. So I think Thin Lizzy is actually influencing Bruce Springsteen as well. Um, but I think the common influence, uh, and the reason I'm putting him here and in this thing, let's get that out of the way first of all. Uh, both of these, um, both of these. Uh, lyricists and lead singers of these bands who happen to both be named Phil um, uh, have have a they're part of this Bruce Springsteen family they're part of these Johnny songs these story songs these uh, crime songs right uh, desperado songs you know Phil Phil uh, line it you know was really enamored with the cowboy and western you know TV shows and movies of America and you see that in the artwork that Jim Fitzpatrick does for them kind of later on as well and and there's just this whole mystique that goes together so so this whole episode had I gotten to it and I probably won't now because I'm kind of dealing with it here um would have been this idea of the bruce springsteen family so yeah so so both phils from these two bands we're talking about are part of that bruce springsteen family um and you know all of them are part of the van morrison family uh to begin with but i also would put in here um your baby bruce springsteen john mellencamp um your mainstream bruce springsteen billy joel um, and I would put in the most awesome of all of them, uh, of, of the singer songwriter ones, not, you know, leaving UFO and Thin Lizzy out of it. The most awesome of all of them, even better than Bruce Springsteen, a rock God to me, Graham Parker. Um, I would also put into here pub, pub rock in general. Um, so that would include a little bit of, uh, not, not particularly Ian Jury, but I'm kind of feeling it a bit. Definitely Elvis Costello. I'm, I want to put in this camp as well. And then over to America, I want to put in Southside Johnny and the Asbury du- uh, Jukes. Um, so yeah, I think there's a lot, there's a lot of bands, you know, and unfortunately, uh, I hate, I hate bringing it up and I probably wouldn't have played them out of protest, uh, cause I hate them so much, but Bon Jovi, you have to actually put in here as well. They even had an album called New Jersey, right? Um, so yeah, so, so all of that sort of fits into this as well. Uh, this backstreet songs, you've got endless juke joints and Valentino drag, Valentino drag where dancers scrape the tears up 
off the street dressed down in rags, running into the darkness, some, some hurt bad, some really dying. At night, sometimes it seems you could hear the whole damn city crying. Blame it on the lies that killed us. Blame it on the truth that ran us down. You can blame it all on me, Terry. It, it don't matter to me now. When the breakdown hit at midnight, there was nothing left to say. So you got your Terry and your midnight and your, and your damn city and the rags and the Valentino and all this. These are all the building blocks of, uh, of Phil Mogg songs and of, of Phil Linus songs. Basically, this whole thing sounds like it could have been uh, a Thin Lizzy or a UFO uh, lyric. Um, okay, so chronologically going and not getting too far, I want to mention that uh, this Bruce Springsteen album is August 25th, 75. So in 75, uh, both both Thin Lizzy and UFO, I think, become this idea of, uh, I like this concept as well, and I think I even did an episode on this, but this idea of second wave heavy metal bands, right? So you've got, you've, you've definitely got your, your Rainbow and your Judas Priest, and the other two big ones of the big four, basically, are UFO and Thin Lizzy. Um, and I think both of them kind of become that UFO with Forset, so they kind of heavy it up and get more riffy uh, in July 75. And then Thin Lizzy deliver with fighting in September 75, so just two months later. Um, they both put out the albums that that basically you might call the first of the classic sound, right? Um, so that's kind of cool. Um, so yeah, the, the whole dramatic, the storytelling, the old town, getting out of town, uh, you know, drugs, women. What are you getting out of town for? Problems with women, problem with drugs, Problems with drugs, gambling, maybe you killed somebody. Um, so there's all this going on the lamb stuff that goes on as well. So yeah, one one could do an entire episode. It'd be actually a cool episode, um, you know, on this Bruce Springsteen family. But you could do a whole episode where you could just uh, look at the lyrical comparisons uh, between uh, all of this, right? Um, okay, let's move on to our fourth selection here. Take a listen to this. This is UFO with Getting Ready. Okay, so I wanted to pick something from Lights Out. Um, so now we're into the golden period of both these bands, and this golden period happens at the same time. Um, so you have essentially um, Thin Lizzy with Jailbreak. So they have their breakout album. They have a big hit single on it with Boys Are Back in Town and also Jailbreak and also Cowboy Song. And uh, they actually get a gold record in the States. Now, this is another big comparison between these two bands. They both have these long catalogs that are absolutely revered. Obviously, UFO's catalog goes way longer because, you know, Phil, Phil Mogg doesn't die like Phil Lynott does. Um, but they, they have these revered albums that everybody seems to know, but nobody seems to have bought in large quantities, right? Um, but Thin Lizzy has the one gold album and then they can't repeat. It's a little bit like Nazareth, right? Uh, again, with, um, you know, actually 75. So Nazareth kind of flies into this whole thing as well. I kind of could have put them in here actually um but so you have uh, them having the one gold album then johnny the fox doesn't go gold but it's still golden period for them black rose uh, i mean sorry uh bad reputation uh 77 black rose 79 uh and ufo you know most uh, a lot of people who are pretty smart fans of these bands um 
kind of forget that Lights Out didn't go gold. A lot of people think Lights Out did go gold. It was it was kind of their biggest album, right? Uh, but you've got UFO's Golden Period, which is sort of your, uh, your No Heavy Petting, your Lights Out, and your obsession in 1978. And now here we are into those Ron Nevison uh, productions, right? With uh, with Lights Out and Obsession. Um, so yeah, they're both experiencing their golden period at the same time. Um, both bands are on kind of uh, UK-based mid-size labels, uh, Vertigo and Chrysalis. So that's kind of a comparison uh, there. Um, both of them are kind of doing about as well in, uh, in the UK. Uh, I suppose... If I had to really think about it and, you know, if I asked my UK friends, they'd probably say Thin Lizzy was doing a little better than UFO, I think, um, in, in the UK. Um, and again, both, uh, both are bands uh, where one of the big narratives about the bands is that they are distinguished by their guitarists. So by this point into the golden period, Thin Lizzy, uh, you know, obviously Phil Lynott is a whole package in himself, bass player, Black guy, tall guy, Afro, lead singer, prima donna, vocalist. So there's there's a, you know, Thin Lizzy is defined by Phil, but Thin Lizzy on, you know, at, at the next level, part B, is defined by uh, those lyrical musical twin leads. And UFO uh, is, uh, Phil Mogg doesn't have quite the stature of a Phil Lynott. Um, so one would say, one would say almost the top narrative by a tiny, tiny bit is uh, having one of these almost virtuoso, um, you know, guitar gods in the band in Michael Schenker. So when you get to their his solos, um, they're actually interestingly enough, comparatively very musical and sing songy and hooky and uh, and really cool and and composed and neat, just like the Thin Lizzy ones. Um, uh, but but yeah, it's it's more of a uh, a Teutonic. Uh, a, a Teutonic, cool, classical-based uh, sound that you get out of him as a soloist. Um, so yeah, a, another comparison at this point uh, in the story is both of them have uh, live albums that uh, all of us uh, lazy old-timers uh, will always throw in when we make our list, uh, you know, rattle off our list. We all have it off the top of our head, eight or ten of these top live albums of all time. Uh, Thin Lizzy has one uh, June 2nd, 1978 in Live and Dangerous, and it's a double album, and it's a gatefold. And then UFO, lo and behold, uh, January 2nd, so also on the second of a month, 1979, so the following year um has one so six months later has one called strangers in the night which is also a double and a gatefold uh so both of them have one of those as well uh, all right let's move on to our fifth selection here and uh we shall discuss moving in our chronologically take a listen this is thin lizzie with no one told him it's pointless it's pretending Okay, so we're moving up in into the later era here, and both of them, uh, uh, both bands have. Okay, so both of them have drug and drink issues that are starting to uh, wear out the career prospects of these bands and wear on the bands themselves. In uh, in Thin Lizzy, you've got uh, you've got heroin problems, and eh, there's heroin in in um, 
in UFO as well. But you've got you've got Scott and Phil are are getting into trouble. Uh, you've got you've you've had a wild man in the band who is now out of the band, Brian Robertson. So Brian Robertson is almost like your crazy wild rock and roller, like your Pete Way in UFO, or like your AC uh, ACDC Ace Freely in Kiss. Um, so you've got your wild men uh, in the bands as well. Um, so yeah, they, they both have drug and drink issues as we're moving into this era. And I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about what UFO gets up to at this point. Um, you both got guys, you know, Brian Robertson was a was a fighter. He'd get into fights, famously sliced up his hand and missed a tour. And that caused a major problem uh, in, uh, in Thin Lizzy's uh, development in the States. Phil Ma gets into fights. The lead singer gets into fights. So, so you have that. Um, going for them you know both in the classic period and at this time this is a bit of a vague one but they have a similar sound right they're both roughly about as heavy as each other they both uh you know you you struggle to call them heavy metal bands what are they hard rock bands melodic hard rock bands there's no real good term for what they're doing but they're both doing exactly the same thing which is very different from judas priest or rainbow or who are our minor bands at this point riot is coming into into view in the states as a second wave band uh uh, you could call Aerosmith and Ted Nugent and Blue Oyster Cult, all those guys, second wave uh, heavy metal. Uh, over in the UK, you had Dirty Tricks. Uh, who else was... Uh, yeah, there's just not that many. It's it's just kind of interesting. Um, Canada even had a few. Tease and Moxie and Triumph, right, uh, of these of these second wave bands. And second wave I usually define as, uh, you know, kind of more or less getting going in a big way around 1975, so second half of the 70s. Um, so, yeah, they're both kind of, a, you know, they both do to pop they both do uh dependable louis louis chords they both do van morrison bruce springsteen stuff they both have some really innovative cool sounding heavy metal riffs that they come up with from time to time and they both have a, you know a pretty experimental track uh here and there they both do ballads um they both uh, flirt with uh, piano and keyboards. Uh, saxophone comes into it uh, the odd time. Um, so that's kind of cool as well. Um, so, so yeah, um, the other big thing at this point, so, so Thin Lizzy uh, is having trouble in the guitar slot or a big change in the guitar slot, right? So we lose Brian Robertson. We bring in, first we bring in Gary Moore. Uh, for one album, so it's Gary and Scott, and then we bring in Snowy White uh, for two albums, and then we have John Sykes. So Thin Lizzy's got a bit of a revolving guitar thing going on. What's happening in UFO? They have a major news story. They have lost the Blonde Bomber. So the Blonde Bomber is gone, and we have Paul Chapman coming in, uh, and he comes from a different country, Wales, right? So Wales is maybe a country, right? Uh, so he comes in, and uh, and changes the sound uh, of uh, and changes the narrative and he's a big part of of the change in the sound and uh, and UFO goes on to be uh, more of a song based band and not so much defined by the guitar I'd say Thin Lizzy still st- stays defined by the guitar so that's kind of interesting uh, at this point uh, both bands. I feel are big influences on the new wave of British heavy metal, not talked about enough. You know, people mainly talk about your Sabbaths and Deep Purples and your Priests and your Rainbows. Um, but I think you hear, um, you know, a lot of those new wave of British heavy metal bands had twin leads in them. A lot of them had these sort of, uh, the, these sort of lyrical themes that felt like they went along with this as well. Um, and, uh, it's just a lot of affection for for how sturdy and good and and hooky and uh, passionate and and intellectual and uh, sophisticated the songwriting was 
in UFO and Thin Lizzy and how they really didn't follow any rules other than sounding a lot like each other, right? Um, so that's that's a big influence there as well. Um, so yeah, um, the, the other interesting thing that happens here is um, the Paul Chapman era begins... Uh, with UFO January 1980 with No Place to Run and Chinatown is a, is a 1980 album. So, so they're both starting this era uh, at the same time kind of thing, right? Um, so that happens. Uh, Thin Lizzy actually acquires a keyboardist, sort of a, sort of a full-time member, sort of not, in Darren Wharton, although UFO has always had keyboards uh, along for the ride or, you know, start, starting eventually Danny Payronel, uh, Paul Raymond, uh, Neil Carter. Um, and actually their keyboardists would also uh, play guitar from time to time as well. So sometimes they'd be a t uh, two-guitar band, uh, kind of like Thin Lizzy. So that's kind of cool. Um, and then the last thing I want to say about uh, this that brings us back to that original thing we talked about, what happens after this? Obviously the careers are much different after this. Um, but there's one more similarity to go. Um, I think Thin Lizzy drastically changes their sound for uh, for Thunder and Lightning. They kind of go in a, a a direction inspired by the new wave of British heavy metal. John Sykes comes in and he's a real loud, screaming, squonking, squealing guitar hero kind of guy. And he, he definitely changes the sound uh, with his riffs and whatnot as well. And the really harsh production of Chris Tangerides. So, so they... they change their sound for the 80s, right? But so does UFO. They just don't do it this way. So UFO doesn't have a particularly new wave of British heavy metal inspired album. Um, you could argue that they basically stay pretty heavy through the new wave of British heavy metal, which is kind of cool. Uh, with uh, with uh, Wild Willing and the Innocent mechanics and making contact. But they also drastically change their sound for the 80s. And they go, they go poppy and crappy um, with uh, with the Ain't Misbehavin' EP and Misdemeanor, um, and I would argue High Stakes and J Dangerous Men is sort of uh, in this uh, in this whole thing as well. Um, so now we're back to uh, that original question that was brought up on Facebook. Um, I truly believe, uh, unfortunately, because Phil loved fame, he he loved success. He loved to be loved, and I think he probably would have um, been excited by, um, you know, and again, he's a big music guy, and, you know, the same way Rush kind of went very egregiously 80s for the right reasons, Phil would go, I, I think Phil would have gone egregiously 80s for a combination of the right reasons and the wrong reasons. So so one was, oh my God, we want, we need some success. We need a hit. We want to go commercial for that reason. And the other reason is uh, he'd be enthusiastic about new things happening in music. He was kind of always like that. Um, so that's kind of cool. And that was that, that's one of the silver linings about Grand Slam. I just didn't think Grand Slam was all that good. But, um, you know, possibly you would have had uh, the official release of a Grand Slam album. Possibly uh, he would have got Thin Lizzy back together and they would have made a Grand Slam-like album. Possibly he would have done Grand Slam and Thin Lizzy at the same time. Um, but I really, truly believe he'd, there'd be a stinker of an album in there somewhere that would that would sound like UFO uh, misdemeanor. Another thing I kind of had a, had a playful look at and, and I felt like that turned out to be dubbed... Uh, um, uh, duds is the idea of you know I looked at uh, covers right 
And and it, it basically worked out that uh, UFO did a lot more covers than Thin Lizzy did. Um, so that was kind of interesting. Um, but, you know, uh, Thin Lizzy had a pretty big hit with a cover in Rosalie. Um, and I know Phil playfully, you know, there was Trouble Boys later on. So there was there was some, some stuff along the way, some sort of novelty things. But Thin Lizzy actually really didn't do a lot of covers, as it turns out, right? Um, but UFO did a little more. And then I thought... Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna look and uh, I'm I'm sure I'm gonna find a whole bunch of song titles with the same song title because they had so much of the same sort of themes, but there really wasn't, right? Um, I guess both have a song called Fool's Gold. Um, we've got UFO with Cowboy Joe and Thin Lizzy with Cowboy Song. We've got Thin Lizzy with Fighting, UFO with Fighting Man. Um, we've got uh, UFO with The Wild One and uh, Thin Lizzy, I believe it's just called Wild One. Um, we've got Give It Up and Got to Give It Up. We've got Ballad of the Left Hand Gun from UFO and ballad of a hard man from thin lizzy so i thought that was that was kind of funny as well but no there wasn't uh you know you compare a lot of bands uh and you could find a lot of common song titles but oddly enough you know it, it isn't oddly enough because i have a feeling i i when i when i went through this exercise i had a feeling that um both of these bands were canny and smart enough that they that they kind of vetted and made sure that they didn't have any songs uh you know that the other band used or other bands in general so i don't think there's a lot of um there's a lot of song titles now now i'm getting in a little sketchy territory here because this i didn't really test the theory of but i don't think both either of these bands have a lot of song titles that um share a lot of commonality with other bands out there and yet i see that out there a lot another thing that i i definitely noticed they both have you know quite a few songs named after a woman's name so they've got that going on and then of course that takes you to lyrics that are sort of similar so uh so there you go there's your uh what did i call this again ufo and thin lizzie as doppelgangers um and uh yeah i think there's a lot of similarities here uh, let me know if you think uh go to the facebook page let me know if there's other bands um you think i can do as doppelgangers there's one other uh pairing that I'm definitely thinking of. I'm not going to say it here because I definitely might do it. Um, but there's one other one I can think of as well. Um, so there you go. If you like the show and want to support future episodes, you know I've got the Kofi. It's the only thing I'm doing uh, in terms of, uh, of you know, I don't do Patreon to to raise a little bit. Uh, to make this look like a real job, you can go to uh, Kofi.com. That's K-O dash fi.com slash Martin Popoff. Hit that red support button. Buy me a coffee or a pint. Um, this week, I'd like to thank Joe Beck at Bel Air Expediting. Joe emailed me this morning. I'm going to go on his show. He's starting up his show again. So I uh, can't remember what the topic was. I know it was topic number four, wasn't it, Joe? Um, so we're going to do that. Um, I also want to thank Blues Biscuits, David Fisher, Monty Olson, Augustin Garcia de Pretty, Steve Polari, Ralph Sporer, uh, David Ria, and William Walker. Thank you all very much, William. And thanks again for keeping the Facebook so active and being on a lot of other ones as well. It's, it's pretty cool. I like seeing your questions. I like how you are, you know, bringing up old episodes and and having people talk about them again thank you very much for that and uh, also your generous uh, support of the show um and you also know that i have my thin lizzy story in two volumes still available uh, through weimer publishing plus i have them here plus i have the big huge heavy coffee table book thin lizzy a visual history i've got the ufo story in two books uh, also available um you know published by weimer and i have them and i also have copies of the big fat yummy ufo visual history and you can get all of that at martinpopoff.com uh thank you all very much uh go play some thin lizzy go play some ufo you can't go wrong Find all of our shows, notes, social, and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com.
or wherever you listen to great podcasts. All songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at the RNRAP. We are on Instagram at RNR Archaeology. Tweet us at RNR Archaeology. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com. Code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.